Hello everybody, it's Pastor Iris again and we're back on the air as usual and I've just got a little technical hitch here, let me just sort it out, there we go, that's better. Now I can see that we've got somebody in the studio with us. Good morning Hugh. <laughs> Good morning Iris, it's nice to chat again today and it's a beautiful day here, the sun is shining really strongly. Yeah, it is here. Um, Are you getting the heat yet? Yes. Um, when you're in the sun, especially if you're inside your car driving, well, you can really feel it hot, and you have to put the windows down. And mm. yeah, it's quite. It can be quite hot now here at the moment. Yeah, I don't good. know how long it lasts, but it is August, so. Yeah, yeah, but we've got it. We've got like a full-on summer heat wave still. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, absolutely is. I noticed last night it got it got chilly very quickly, and I thought, yeah, we're getting into that autumn time. Yeah, we're moving across, and the wind off of the sea was quite quite cold. I actually worked, had to go and wrap myself up in my warm, you know, woolly, and Jeff put his woolly on as well. Usually we're out in the garden till quite late, but once the sun had gone. You know, once it, you know, our garden had dropped into that last bit of shade, it was instant. Oh, it's cold. <laughs> I think the old devil is, is going haywire with the climate and the weather. He, he, he demonstrated that in the life of Job. Yeah. He caught the strong wind to topple that house and kill his whole family. So I'm sure he's slapping a few demons around, around the head that are not performing properly. But he's, he's doing his job. He's a destroyer. And he's doing his job. And men's wisdom don't understand. Right. Behind behind in the unseen spiritual realm, Satan is at his work. He's a destroyer. And God is permitting him to a point to get away with what he's doing. But I believe that the Lord will put a stop to this yeah. sometime in the future, hopefully in the near future. Um, yeah, I don't think it would be very long. We, we, I think everybody I've spoken to, that you know, especially you know, we've been going around the world with the radio, we get a lot of contact. Everybody's saying the same thing. It isn't, it isn't a hype thing. It isn't a new, let's preach something else. Everybody else is preaching. Everybody really feels that they are the one who is doing too much and that God is talking to them, you know? Yeah. Like saying, um, I was talking to a lady uh, yesterday and I said to her, you know, you're, you're burning yourself into a frazzle. I said, you're trying to do the gospel here. You've gone to Greece. You're going to, to um, Israel. You're going to Africa. Well, God's called me to do all these things. I said, no, he hasn't. I said, he's called you, but not to do all of those things. I said, you need to stop and decide and make a short list of what you're going to do and focus on it. And I yeah. could see she had, she had taken that on board because she was just going around in circles. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm doing in my life. I mean, I've, I've, I've had to re, uh, adjust and refocus onto online internet ministry and that's my focus and it's also not just to talk to people 
Um, I'm not talking about you, Arsene. I'm just talking about generally speaking. But to focus in on the Word of God and what the Scriptures are saying mm. and take people through the Scriptures and hopefully they will begin to see the reality, God's truth, what he wants them to know because he has preserved it. And uh, we want him to bless it to our hearts. That's the whole point. Because men and their wisdom, whatever, no matter how clever they are, you cannot compare the words of men with the word of God. So that's that's the treasure. And it's my, it's my duty, obligation, and, and joy to be able to, under his headship and leadership and authority, and anointing, trusting God to anoint, um, to be able to bring that word to God's people. Because the word of God, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance amongst those that are saved. That's very important, isn't it? Very. It is about the ones that are saved. Because you know, at this rate, from what I hear, and from really from what the you know what the word is highlighting, is that a lot of people are just not going to make it, and they're talking about Christians, not non-Christians. I hadn't really seen it from that point of view before, but of course that's what the Bible is saying. It's a warning for every single human being. So there we go. And I think we're in Hebrews again, aren't we? We're going to Hebrews chapter five and verse nine. And just to recap a little, I just trust and pray that God will bless us and help us, as I say, through these scriptures. So we're in Hebrews chapter five and at verse nine. But just to recap a little, um, the Lord and the Holy Spirit has portrayed the excellency, the exaltation of his son Jesus in those first chapters. In the previous chapter uh, to what we're in at the moment, he has also pointed out the failure of Israel. Um, and they never got into God's rest. So he says there is a rest for the people of God. So now we're introduced to the high priest and the high priesthood of a very special person who is none other than our saviour, the son of the living God, also known as the son of man, when he walked among Israel and the people, the Jewish people. So now God has affirmed prophetically in the Old Testament that this is his son. In Psalm 2, he says, in verse 5, just before we start in this verse, he said, God Almighty spoke these words, Thou art my son. Today have I begotten thee. That's Jesus being begotten into the humanity of, of, of humans in, in this world. That's God's doing. That's nothing to do with men. God has brought Jesus, sent Jesus, and brought him into this world. And now he's going to watch over Jesus, look after Jesus, work in Jesus, and lead him and guide him in his life and ministry. And that's exactly what the Gospels tell us. And also reinforcing that, it says in verse 6, as he saith also in another place, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Not the order of Levi, not the order of Aaron, but this is a new order that God knew about a, a certain type of a priesthood that's more senior 
and higher than Levi or Aaron. So it's saying that this person, Jesus, Yeshua, in the days of his flesh, entered in and offered up prayers and crying with strong tears and, and, and was actually exposed to all the, all the opposition, all the trickery of men, religious men in the Jewish community, trying to trick him, trying to trap him. He was had to cope with so much opposition. We actually just get a little insight into it, but that's what his life was. So he spent time praying and seeking his father and having to enable him, enable him to carry on and go and fulfill the, the plan and the purpose. So the point about it is that it says here in verse, leading up into verse 9, though he were a son, and that's the truth, though he were a son, you would think that the son of the divine eternal father, our heavenly father, would have some preference would have a little bit of an escape clause, would be sheltered and not exposed to the things of life and humanity. Those that had fallen and inherited uh, a lifestyle of sin from Adam and Eve that sinned and each human being that's born into this world, make no mistake about it, mm. are born in sin and shaped in iniquity. So they're broken people, every one of us, without any exceptions. So Jesus had to be exposed to all of that brokenness and all that deceit and trickery, not only from Satan, who tried to overcome him and failed, thank God, but also men, religious men who had no time for Jesus, tried their best to bring him down. Eventually, they thought they had succeeded. But God turned what seemed to be a success in their part into a failure. But God also turned it into a glorious and wonderful triumph of his son and resurrection on the third day. So now we come to verse 9. Verse 8 says, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience. You see, Jesus had to go through the stages of growing up and maturing, from, and especially from the time of his unction um, at the River Jordan with the water he got his baptism, identification with God's eternal purpose and his commission to minister and the unction of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came on him with no measure whatsoever. We get the blessings of God and the Holy Spirit in measure here and there at times through our life. But God will never forsake us. He says, I will be with you always. But Jesus got the full fullness of the Holy Ghost the third person in the Godhead was operating fully with the Son of God and the Father was speaking from heaven. So that was a tremendous moment of life, his life. But it says here, though he were a son, yet learned he. Jesus actually had to experience what we have also been exposed to, but yet he experienced it, excuse me, without any sin in his life. Sinless he is and always has been born without sin. But he, he learned he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. So that brings Jesus into a whole category that he is qualified to be able to stand in the gap for us between you and I and God's judgment. God is a God of truth. 
God is a God of judgment. God is a God of righteousness. And God judges transgressions and sin. And it's a terrible thing to have that judgment coming after you. But Jesus stands in the way and says, Father, this one has put their trust and their confidence and me and their belief. And that's the difference that we're shielded by God's wrath is coming uh, upon humanity. But here in verse, after learning all what he had learned by obedience of the things which he suffered, it says in verse 9, that's where we start this morning, and being made perfect. Now, he is perfect, was perfect. This word perfect means that he had fully completed, grown into and grown up in the task, and the target of what was before him to be achieved in his obedience to his father. So he got through everything there was to get through. Thank God for that. We have a triumphant Lord who has saved us, who got through every situation without failing and came out victorious. And that's that's the best thing that we have. It says, and be made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation. So what that word author means in the Greek is that it means that he is the one who brought this into being. Nobody else. Jesus himself has by his life, by his sacrifice, by his ascension, by his enthronement in heaven, he has brought this whole program of salvation into our into being of eternal salvation. Jesus has accomplished that for you and for me. This is a full package that God has created. It's wonderful. There's never been anything like this or nothing can be compared to it. Certainly nothing in the Old Testament, which was rules and regulations, do's and don'ts and commandments. The spirit of the Old Testament commandments are in the spirit of the New Testament Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's all embraced in that, and that's God's message. But Jesus has taken the penalty of our sin upon himself. If you're trusting in Jesus, if you're relying in Jesus, you're safe, not only for time, but for all eternity. And once you get into heaven through God's door, you will be so pleasantly surprised. I'm sure there's a big, wonderful surprise for each one of us that gets through that door. And we'll go in there waving the flag and we're saying, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And the angels understand that. The angels in heaven today, right now as we speak, and as you listen, today, right now, the angels in heaven are all aware of who Jesus is. They can see he is the Lord of all glory. He is the creator that has created everything that exists. That's the place he was given. But he humbled himself and became human like ourselves. So he has brought eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. You see, there's the crunch and the criteria. You have to ask the question, are you, am I, are we, Obeying him. 
It's one thing getting the blessing. It's one thing tasting the glory. It's one thing seeing God moving, even if you use the name of Jesus and you build the whole thing up for yourself and for your own glory. That's not obeying him. That's working out your own plan. But here the scripture says, he's the author of eternal salvation unto all them, all them, not some of them or few of them, but unto all them that obey him. Jesus watches and he knows exactly who is seeking to obey him, who is seeking to fall in with the will of God. He sees us. He knows us. Oh, yes, he looks over our failings and our faults and sometimes even our sins. But that's a different story. That's what he's there for as our advocate, but not for us to willingly live a life of sin. That's not going to happen. You don't get into heaven by living a life of sin. What you're doing then is you're making a mockery of the crucifixion and the death of our Lord Jesus. And that's a terrible thing to do. But we'll come across that soon in this letter. This is a tremendous letter that has been written by the Holy Spirit through his servant. And uh, it's good for us to learn from this. So not showing that Jesus, because he had actually come to that place of completeness in the salvation plan of God, has now brought about this eternal salvation unto all them that obey him now here it says called of god you see here's the here's the motivation here's the work that's going behind this whole thing god almighty is moving this plan forward and let's just say today that god's not slow but he's patient he's enduring and he's loving but god is moving this plan forward even as we speak, before you were born, God was moving his plan forward. And Jesus was called of God. God had in his wisdom eternally set and created an order through Melchizedek, the high priest. And another scripture will come to it. It says he was made like unto the son of God. So Melchizedek, in the sense, was a, a priest that God created, made unto the Son of God. But now Jesus, as a human being, is going to be given that priesthood over humanity. And he's our high priest, called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. That's the order. That's God's order. That's an eternal priesthood. This is something special, not the Aaronic and Levi priesthood, these priests die. Melchizedek was a person who had no beginning, no ending, but was created by God to perform a priesthood function. We don't understand all the ins and outs of that, but we hear about him in the Old Testament when he met Abraham. He is the high priest, king of Salim, Salam, uh, peace, king of righteousness. So he's a special person in God's purpose and Jesus is being associated and given in the same order as Melchizedek but Melchizedek was originally initially created after 
the Son of God. So there you have it in one sense. God creates Melchizedek after what his son is, is and going to be and show to be. And yet Jesus is now being made a high priest after this order. Nothing to do with Aaron. Nothing to do with Levi. Nothing to do with Moses. But the order of Melchizedek, a mysterious person in the, in the economy of God. I sometimes ask myself, where is he today? Is he walking the earth? Or has he been taken to heaven and given a place there? Where is he today? Only God knows that. But Jesus um, is made a high priest after this higher order. Verse 11 says, of whom we have many things to say. In other words, that whole aspect of Jesus being a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. This writer who I believe is, is Paul, um, uh, the apostle, uh, has been given this task of revelation to write this inspirationally, the word of God, of whom he says, we have many things. So he obviously includes others with himself, but he's the primary person. You get some evidence at the end of the letter that it is Paul. Many, many people and some people have disputed his authorship. It doesn't really matter to me, honestly. Um, when I get to heaven, I can ask Paul, but I have no doubt that this is the word of God and it has been inspired by the Holy Spirit and it has been lasted and been preserved these 2,000 years that we might read it. So he had a lot of things to say. He could have a lot of things to say and share about this priesthood of Jesus, Yeshua, uh, concerning Melchizedek, but he says that of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered. Why does the servant of the God say under the inspiration hard to be uttered? You think it's all straightforward ministry. It's not straightforward. This is a servant of God carrying revelation. They want to give it to the people of God, but here he's coming to a point like a roadblock, he says, it's hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. Now, what do you think of that statement? Christians, believers, following Jesus, are dull of hearing. <laughs> That's, if we ask the question and say, How are your, how's your hearing today? We're not talking about your natural hearing. We're talking about your spiritual hearing. Can you hear the Spirit of God speaking to you? Do you read the Scriptures? Are you praying and asking God for to speak into your life? Open your spiritual ears and even your spiritual eyes. That's what's hearing. That's why Jesus in Israel, he knew the judgment was coming upon him. But he also knew that there were few that were going to be saved from the nation. And he made the declaration a few times, many times perhaps. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He said that to the seven churches. But in his ministry, he said, he that hath ears, let him hear. It's not just the natural hearing, but it's the spiritual hearing. And he says that you are dull of hearing. 
So I suppose it's a bit frustrating, the servant of God here, who wants to get on with it, wants to bring them to that place of maturity, but yet they're dull of hearing. For he says in verse 12, the reason why he says it is this, for when for the time, so he looks at them and he knows that time has passed. And he says, for when when for the time you ought to be teachers. So in other words, that's a, a general aspect of teaching. Every believer should be receiving the truth from God through different means, but also through those that God has appointed and anointed to speak the truth over a process of time. It's like everything. You know, you're just a child but you have to be taught, but you're expected to grow not only in your body, but also in your mind and in your thinking and in the process of making decisions. So he said to these believers, for when for the time you ought to be teachers, he says, I, I have come to believe that by now you should be able to teach others what you've been told, but it seems that they've come to a, a pit stop he says, you have need that one teach you again. So he sees a need in their life. And there is a need in believers' lives to be told and shared the things of God. That's why, that's why God has people to do that, to share the truth and to bring the saints a bit further and a bit forward in the will of God and to build them up. Just the same way that Jesus came to completeness, God is working in the body of Christ and in the members of Jesus' body to build them up and bring them to that same completeness. That's the process. But here this, uh, this servant of God is saying, you've needed one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. The oracle means the word, the utterance of God. So the first principles, there's obviously first principles in, in, in the body of Christ as regards the Lord Jesus, the basic belief and situation of himself and his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. Those are all basic principles of the oracles of God. And they, in a sense, also cannot be exhausted completely. We will never fully plumb the depths of God's greatness and his mystery in the Lord Jesus. That is a whole great mystery, but we are able to see and learn enough. The word of God tells us that we can see partially, not totally. When we get to heaven or when he comes, if we're still living and breathing, our eyes will be open spiritually and God can entrust us with a new body, glorified, like unto his glorious son body, that we can then restart to receive all the revelation that Jesus said he would have for us as his people. So the oracles of God, the first principles, and he says, you're become such as have need of milk. So here's a difference on nuts of strong meat. So can you, can you imagine taking a wee baby and trying to shove a big steak down its throat, it wouldn't work. And the mother and the father, certainly the mother, would have an uproar, even if you did it with kindness. So that's a bit of a situation that 
exists. And it's difficult. It's difficult when you're speaking like this into the internet. I don't know who's out there listening. I wish you would let Iris know because I would need to know the sort of who's out there listening. Where are you in your Christianity? How many years have you been saved? What do you know and understand about the kingdom of God? Because it helps to be able to know what you actually should share. But I'm going through this word the best of my ability. And I'm just trusting God and hoping that you're able to get something that will help you grow, be it milk or be it meat. I'll try my best to use my ability and wisdom here to do what I can do to help you grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. And I trust by the end of this book of Hebrews, we will have got and received a lot from the Lord. So it's wonderful to know that God wants to feed us. He wants us to grow up and to be strong because this writer, Paul, I believe, for says, for everyone that useth milk, if you're just a baby sucking milk, 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 the milk of the word, the milk of the word, the milk of the word. Well, it, it, maybe you need the milk. <laughs> babies need milk to grow. But Paul says, these were big babies. They were past the stage of milk. Have you ever met a child that just wanted to carry on drinking milk? It has happened. It just doesn't want to leave the mother's breast or the milk. It doesn't want to leave it. It's just enjoying it, having a good time there. But God wants us to move on from the milk and start to learn how to eat the meat of the word. And that's something in God's will and purpose that we trust will happen. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. What can a baby do? You see, here's the thing about babies and children. They're in a sort of a, a state of naivety as regards the world around them. The world around them is going and all sorts of stuff's happening. All sorts of stuff is happening. There's good stuff, there's bad stuff. But that wee baby's just sucking the milk and, and, and getting nursed in its mother's arms, and it doesn't know, or it doesn't even really care. It has no worries in the world. But God is painting a picture here for us to understand, but he doesn't want us to stay as babies. There's a time to leave the milk, and the apostle here is teaching, and he wants to move on, but he says to them, I've got a problem with you. You're like babies that need milk but God is an awful lot more for you to receive and but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age see that's the thing God wants every Christian that's born again truly and belonging to the Lord has to grow and we need to I say this in hindsight now but you know when you're young you can't you can't understand yourself and have the wisdom. But I'm saying now, as an old man that has gone through nearly 60 years serving God, 
you get to a place where you've actually grown up. He says here, strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. So God has a, a an age of maturity spiritually in the kingdom of God, and that's where he wants to get all his people to. And I would dare say that <clears throat> I might be able to help believers, young believers, to get to move forward to that place if I was given the time myself. But I think my my time must be running out because I don't know, you can't live forever, but it takes a lot of time to get people. But sometimes in the last generation, the pressure comes on and God wants to move his people faster. And that's what's happening. You've got to learn faster. You've got to catch on what God's doing. So he opens up ministries and anointings to be able to do that. So hang in there. We're on a speed race right through this uh, these scriptures. Full age, even those who by reason of use. You see, these people, he says, have been got into the got into the meat, and they've been chewing the meat, and they know the meat, and they've learned things. So that's the meat of God's word of use of their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. That's the point. See, God wants us to understand that this is not just one big happy, happy place we're living in, but he wants us to be able to discern and understand what's good and what's not good because there can be a lot of deception, there can be a lot of deceit, and the devil is the big deceiver of all. In fact, in Revelation, there's a scripture that struck me. It says, well, after describing who it is, there's no doubt about them to describe the old Satan, the old serpent, and all, all those descriptions of his name, and deceiveth the whole world. So there's a lot, a lot of deception, global deception by Satan being put onto this world. And that, that can be quite um, off-putting, to say the least. But here, God wants his people to grow up into maturity, to get into the meat, and they'll start to understand what's right and what's wrong. It seems to me, my mind went back to the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve, in their naivety, and their simplicity, were in the garden. It was beautiful. Everything was hunky-dory. Uh, everything was rosy in the garden. No problem. And then Satan come into the garden, and he upset the apple cart. He lied to Eve, and Adam was there watching and done nothing. And she gave him partaking of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So that brought in a whole new dynamic into human relationships and into this world and caused also a curse to fall upon the world. And Satan was also cursed. And Adam was disciplined. And Eve was disciplined. And so we had to develop in the world the no good from evil. And here we're faced with it now in the New Testament, in the kingdom of God. Uh, we may be able to discern, like, God wants us to know what's going on. Because everything in Christendom 
is not hunky-dory. Jesus said very clearly about the kingdom of God being sown by Jesus, the Lord, into his field, that's the world. And the angel said to him, look, you sowed your seed, but there's there's other seed coming up, which are not, it's not your seed, but it's beside your seed. And he says, an enemy hath done this. And that he gave the he gave the explanation to the disciples that that was the devil sowing his seed amongst God's good seed. So there was a mixture. This is what's going on here in this life and this world. And we need to wise up and we need to waken up and understand that everything's not just so straightforward and simple. But that's 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 you can't give that too much to a to a baby. In the faith, you have to encourage the baby with the milk. But this Paul here, this writer, he sees the need to move on. And he sees the requirement to move on. And he's going to start to move on. But he's he's letting them see that they'll have to move on from where they're at with the first principles of God's word and God's truth. And that'll that we'll leave for another day, uh, God willing, uh, another session uh, when we start chapter 6 and verse 1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on, on to perfection. That's where we'll start, God willing, in our next session. I know that time is gone, and that's just the way it is in this world. We're regulated by time. But when I get to heaven, thank God I'll be able to go around heaven and there's no clocks in heaven. No clocks in heaven. Only God, the Father, knows the time in heaven and eternity. He's the one that decides it's time to do this and it's time to do that. Everybody else is carefree. They don't worry about time and duties and things like that. They're just enjoying relationship with God and the Father carries all those burdens until the whole program is finished and then we'll be all brought into perfect, absolute and total perfection in Jesus. So we give the Lord all the praise, all the honour and all the glory and thank him for helping us today to get through these scriptures and, and may he get all the glory and honour. Amen. Amen. Well, everybody, as you just said, the time does go so quickly. And I'm sat here thinking, well, what do we do next? And it's just like we haven't started because we've just got into that. And I've read a little way ahead, as usual, into Chapter 6. And some of the things we were talking about earlier on are just there, aren't they? That's just what I'm saying yeah. about now. The Lord is opening up those scriptures that are real nuggets that haven't meant, you know, haven't had a meaning to them. But now you can see a meaning to them. But I'm not going to tell everybody what it is because I don't want to spoil it for next for when we get there. But it's quite amazing, you know, the the um, how God is bringing those scriptures alive again, but with the meaning for today. But that's where we're going to leave it for now and we'll see you again soon. Have a wonderful week, everybody. Bye-bye.